inspired by the Canadian Federation of the Blind. Outlook, a show about accessibility, advocacy, and equality. I'm Brian. And I'm Carrie. Outlook. Radio Western. Hello, and welcome to another episode, second show of 2022. My name is Brian, and uh, my co-host Carrie is coming in remotely here from Woodstock, Ontario. How are you doing today, Carrie? Still distanced and isolating in, during Omicron. Yes, we are back to pre-records, but still happy to be back with a new episode this week. And our first guest of 2022 which we will get to in a moment, but I just wanted to start off briefly by mentioning Braille Literacy Month, which we like to talk about on this show every January. And there's been a few events put on by a bunch of organizations that we talked about last week. So I just wanted to give everyone a quick update on that. Um, The most recent, or no, sorry, the very first one was called Looking Through the Crystal Ball, Innovations in Braille. That one has already happened, but it's now up on the uh, Braille Literacy Canada YouTube channel, if you want to check that one out. Um, And then there was one this past Thursday, Building Braille Inclusion in Libraries. And that's the one that, Carrie, you went to, and I didn't make it. But that also will be up on YouTube soon. And then we just wanted to let our listeners know about the two final ones for this month, coming up this Thursday on January 20th. Tools for your toolbox, Braille resources for French speakers of all ages. So if you're a French speaker and you want to check that one out, it's coming up on Thursday. And then the final one for January is Refreshing and Rethinking Braille Awareness Presentations with a Focus on Equity and Accessibility. So that is on the final Thursday of January, January the 27th. And you can find all the info on these and to register, go to nels.ca. That's N-N-E-L-S dot C-A. Yeah, and speaking of equity and accessibility, <laughs> that brings us nicely to our guest today, I think. Um, yeah, so our guest today is someone we had on, and we say our first guest of 2022, but he was actually our last guest in studio in 2020 before we all knew what this pandemic was going to be like. And uh, so uh, Ben Fulton was on Outlook uh, in 2020 and back here again in 2022. So welcome, Ben Fulton, to Outlook again. Hi, Carrie. and Brian. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for coming. Yes, we're happy to have you back as a returning guest. And so last time we had you on the show, we uh, talked a lot about guide dog discrimination and you were denied service. Actually, you were arrested at a Kamloops gas station. And we talked pretty much the entire episode last time about that. Um, We did actually touch on near the end. We we touched briefly on housing discrimination, which is what we are going to be talking about in greater detail today. But I just wanted to maybe tell our listeners that the, the guide dog issue is still in the works, so there's not really much to report on that as of, as of yet. Is that correct? Yeah. So, yeah, last time I was on the show, um, I had just basically filed uh, my complaint with the uh, BC Human Rights Commission and a separate complaint with the um, Canada Human Rights Commission um, because the uh, CHRC, Um, which is federal, has uh, jurisdiction over the RCMP. And um, I can basically just update the listeners and let them know that, you know, during the pandemic, 
you know, we've adapted to um, like a remote mediation um, or shuttle mediation where, you know, communication <clears throat> is sort of sent between the parties back and forth uh, through uh, the mediating services provided by the um, two commissions. And um, that's basically just an ongoing process. It's also confidential, so I really can't tell the listeners more than that. Uh, hope to have some updates for them fairly soon. And uh, yeah, that's that's what's going on there. Yeah, and obviously it's, uh, you know, in the legal world, it's a lot of, like you say, mediation and waiting and, and back and forth. And uh, so things can take time, not even, you know, when it's not a pandemic, so. These things do take time. Um, however, I can just say, you know, um, so far the process has been uh, progressing fairly um, positively. And, you know, I am fairly optimistic. Good. That's good to hear. Great. And we'll definitely have you on again in the future someday when you do have an update and are able to talk about it in greater detail. Plus, we'll put a link Great. to that Thanks. episode with Ben um, in the notes for this episode. If you yeah, want to but... go back and listen to that story. Right. Yeah, for sure. The the guide dog discrimination, because that was really frustrating stuff. I know our brother after he heard that episode and he just said when he heard when he heard the part about you being arrested, he just couldn't believe what what he was hearing. It uh, definitely had an effect. So. Yeah. And there's still a link to the story on my uh, website, um, the www.benlaw.ca, where you can read more about that story and uh, also about this uh, housing um, discrimination case uh, that we'll be launching soon. Yeah, I was going to mention the website. Yeah, same here. We're both excited. I, I, I finally got around to checking it out, and it's really, really a slick website. It was very accessible, which obviously I would imagine you looked into that and um, being blind uh, as well and, and, and all that. But just a really, really nice website. And I'm not sure if you had that set up when we had you on in 2020. I don't really remember. So uh, No, no. I, I was very new to practice. Um, actually, I, I hadn't really set up my, you know, bank accounts or anything in 2020 i really just um i just or was it was it 2019 yeah because it was before the pandemic i it think was, it was early 2020 that we'd had you on it was february early I think 2020 you... before the pandemic yeah, yeah so right i was before, really yeah. just setting up my business uh right. in january of 2020 yeah because right. you had just gone your trip out west which is where the incident took place was you were celebrating graduating law school right yeah, yeah, my call to the bar, which was 2019. Your call to the bar, right. right. Yeah. Right. Okay, so yeah, we'll link that episode in the podcast notes if anyone, anyone wants to listen to it. And of course, check out benlaw.ca to learn more about Ben Fulton. Yeah, maybe we'll get back to a bit of some of the thing we were talking about before we went on air with marketing and stuff, if we have a bit of time at the end of the show. But, but let's start um, actually with yeah. Ben, if, if you can maybe just to tell our listeners a quick sort of summary of yourself, a little bit about your history, maybe about your blindness, and then... Yeah, just kind of what, what you want our listeners to know before we get more in-depth into the housing discrimination. Sure. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, myself, I guess, as we've mentioned, I was called to the bar in 2019. Um, and as, you know, part of my celebration, I, I ended up on a road trip where I was arrested for trying to buy a coffee. And people can read more about that and the whole guy dog case. Um, I'm, you know, primarily interested in human rights law. I've been in practice for little over two years now. And, um, you know, so most of my practice has been during the pandemic and adapting to that. Um, you know, in the last few, well, year, really, I've done a lot of work in criminal law, um, dealing with minor offenses and diversions. 
Um, this is, you know, a fascinating area of law where, you know, somebody charged with like a simple assault or a mischief, something, you know, fairly minor, especially when they have no previous criminal record, um, can negotiate with the crown and sometimes do, you know, some community service, sometimes some, you know, anger management, uh, counseling, and um, through, you know, the completion of these programs, uh, sometimes, you know, they will agree to enter into a peace bond, um, which is basically just where they agree to keep the peace of being good behavior. And frequently they have no contact with the victim for uh, a year or about that period of time. And, and the charges are withdrawn. So basically the upside of this is the person doesn't get a criminal record, which is really useful for jobs and travel. And so, you know, that's that's the area of law I'm really kind of sinking my teeth into, trying to work with um, alternative justice. And, um, yeah, that's um, what's occupied my time a lot in the last year. Um, but also, you know, doing human rights law, um, I have an interesting story that we'll get into in a little bit here about discrimination in housing and, you know, what I plan to do about that. Um, because sometimes, you know, the legislation... Um, needs to be changed in order to allow for greater access. Mm -hmm. And I like you say, alternative justice and about um, de-escalation and, you know, uh, human rights. That's all stuff we get behind big time here on Outlook. And of course, the world <laughs> needs lawyers like you uh, to do that kind of work uh, because it, there's certainly a place for it. And of course, the, the goal should be always um, to avoid punishment and the, you know, the criminal justice system uh, needs to focus more on de-escalation, in my um, opinion. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's refreshing to see that, you know, um, there are, there is a shift away from the traditional punitive-based approach towards a more uh, restorative-based approach that is, you know, restorative and healing for both the victims and, and the culprits. So, you know, that's a push that I'm, you know, glad to be a part of. Definitely. Mm -hmm. So, so, so you're originally then from out from out west, and then you've moved to Ontario, and you currently are you currently in uh, Toronto now? Is that where you're calling in from? Uh, Mississauga, actually, Mississauga. Um, just next to Toronto. For any listeners unfamiliar with the GTA, right. uh, they're they're they literally border each other. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, basically, that's just kind of what started the whole thing. Is yeah, I I did move um, to Toronto to attend Osgood Hall Law School. Uh, that was the reason for my move. And, you know, being a student, I was in search of housing. Um, and being a, um, you know, broke student, I was in search of really affordable housing. So, uh, you know, like many of the students, um, I was interested in renting um, one of these, you know, small rooms in a, you know, shared accommodation situation, you know, where, you know, you really just get your bedroom and then you're sharing your kitchen and bathroom with um, other tenants and sometimes the landlord, uh, which is fine, you know, for student living, you know, I was there to study and get my degree. So I didn't, you know, need a lot of space. And the first year I looked around and it took me a while to find something. And when I did find a place to rent, um, well, it wasn't really the first place I looked at. The first place I looked at, I had previously mentioned to the landlord, you know, I'd be coming on a certain date to look at the place and I would be bringing a friend with me. I, I didn't mention to the landlord at the time that I was blind. I just sort of showed up with my 
white cane and my friend and we looked at the place and it seemed good and I wanted to rent the place and the landlord was telling me that you know suddenly the place was not available like that she just rented it like an hour or two before and it was really weird and really suspicious and when we were walking away from it my friend just said I I think she just saw your white cane and didn't want to rent to you because you're blind and you know it seemed to be the case and so the first place I actually found that where I could rent, um, the landlord actually made me sign a waiver, uh, basically saying that I wouldn't sue him if I like fell down the stairs or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I started really, you know, facing head on this um, prejudicial attitude that people had towards blind people, well, especially landlords. And well, at, at the place- time of that that agreement, he made you, he got you to sign you you. You did sign it, right? Because you wanted to find a plate. You just needed to live somewhere, even though you didn't agree yeah. with it. Um, but of course, yeah, you've exactly. also well, kept you've kept that. I imagine in your in your files to be able to present to uh, to the courts for for this case, because that's definitely a doesn't seem like yeah. a that's definitely not a not a fair uh, fair uh, contract there to to sign on to. Yeah, in, indeed. I mean, I, I I had no intention of suing the guy, and I I never fell down the stairs, so there was no need for any of that. Right. Um, but like you mentioned, you know, as, as a good law student and lawyer, I, I keep everything. And yeah, it will be part of the, uh, the case going forward to kind of show the court that, you know, this attitude isn't just held by like one or two landlords. This is actually really widespread um, because every year, you know, I was, it, was, it was a three-year program and every year I had to look for housing and every year that, that process was renewed. And in the third and final year of my studies, I, I was actually unable to find a place to rent and, and ended up commuting from Mississauga the entire time. And for listeners unfamiliar, I mean, sure, Mississauga is literally bordering Toronto, but to get from my place up to you know York University is about a 90-minute commute each way. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. Yeah. I have a friend in, in Missis- who just moved to Mississauga and uh, he, he also works in Toronto at a, at a studio. So he's used to the commute, but you know, he's, he can see and he has a car, which isn't always the best either, yeah. but it's, uh, there's just so much, it's, it's, it's tricky and you know, it's something everyone deals with, but uh, especially, you know, it's hard enough to find a place when you're not being discriminated against. So it's, and I just, yeah, I can't, uh, I can't imagine that. It just sounds so awful. So, so that happened to you multiple times i think our listeners definitely you know just to make sure that they understand that this yeah, wasn't one situation yeah. no no several times while i was searching in second year um even in in second year the the landlord after renting me the place called me um the same day and, and wanted he wanted to give me my money back because he he was suddenly not sure about renting to me but but thankfully i'd already given him the money and and gotten a receipt um so, and, and by the end of my stay there, he, he was convinced that I was actually a really good tenant. So, you know, I, I might actually even call him as a witness, maybe. Um, me and him, we're, we're getting along pretty well by the end of the tenancy. So in, in third year, yeah, getting to the real matter is um, I, I was texting with the landlord and, you know, we had this string of text communications and, you know, we got to the point where I was, you know, going to come and look at the place. 
And I'd already been, you know, denied. I'd had this happen to me so many times before. I didn't want to, you know, show up and suddenly have the landlord change their story, say it wasn't unavailable or anything like that. And I, I sent them in a text message that I was blind. And they responded that they could not afford to rent to me. And I thought this was a little odd, but I was thinking about my earlier experience and I, I offered to sign a waiver. Um, I offered to get tenant insurance if, you know, I was responsible for damaging anything that the insurance would cover it. Um, there was no response back from the landlords. And I finally felt like with, you know, the, these text messages, I had enough evidence, a strong enough case to file a complaint with um, the Ontario Human Rights Commission. So I did that. Uh, I filed my complaint saying that this was a case of discrimination. Um, and the response back from the commission said, basically, Section 21, Sub 1 of the um, Ontario Human Rights Code allows for this kind of discrimination. Basically, to summarize, Section 2 of the Human Rights Code guarantees everybody equal right to accommodation and to be free from discrimination on any of the enumerated grounds. So that includes sex, sexuality, gender, race, religion, um, receipt of social assistance, disability. There might be one or two that I'm forgetting, but, you know, that's the gist of it. Right. And Section 21, Sub 1, says that that right is not infringed where the landlord shares a kitchen or bathroom. So it allows landlords who are, you know, renting out a room in their house, you know, where they're sharing a kitchen or bathroom with the person they're renting to, to discriminate on any of those grounds. Um, and I'm still trying to track down some ads on Kijiji. They might be totally gone and I, I may not be able to re recover them at all. Um, but there were some ads on Kijiji um, in Ontario, people advertising rooms for rent, um, and, and they even said no Indians allowed. And, you know, if I had those ads, I could show them to the uh, tribunal and say, like, look, is this the Canada we live in? You know, this is not Ontario to me. So I, I really want to change that law that, you know, prevents that kind of discrimination. Because I think when a landlord chooses to rent a room in their house, that they're like entering a sphere of public commerce. And I think Section 2 of the Human Rights Code needs to apply to landlords regardless of whether they're sharing a kitchen or bath. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, it's one of those things. And like you say, if, if, if someone is discriminating and, and doesn't want that, then they shouldn't go into the business of renting a room in their house. Like there's a way out of it. If you really are, a, you know, a, not a good person and, and are discriminating and all this kind of stuff, then don't, don't put that out as an option. And so it's, it is very, uh, it's, it's frustrating. Um, and the yeah. thing I struggle, the thing I struggle with is that you say, you say what we all kind of say often is like, it's not my, it's not Canada or that's not the Canada I live in, but it is the Canada we live in. Um, and so, you know, our ideals and things, it's why you have to put actions behind it. And it's hard because most people aren't lawyers. They didn't go to law school like yourself. And so these things can be very intimidating. So um, I'm sure even, you know, for you who, who has background in this stuff, but for most people, it's like, they wouldn't even know where to start with some of this stuff. They don't even know what codes um, say. And so 
um, being able to explain that to people because there's these loopholes and things in this country and and race, racism and, and other isms and, and discrimination is allowed to continue. Uh, and, um, you know, that's why we do the show and that's why we wanted to talk about this today. Yeah. Well, and, and see, and this is why uh, I, I would say this is not the Canada I live in, um, because, you know, we do have the, um, the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, uh, one of the really best pieces of legislation for the protection of human rights. Mm-hmm. And in that legislation, Section 15 of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms is what guarantees everybody um, equality before and under the law, and the right to be free from discrimination for all of those grounds that I just listed. Mm -hmm. So the important thing is when a law, um, you know, like, you know, when you're dealing with the BC human rights, or sorry, the um, Ontario human rights code, you know, there's a lot of provisions in that. It's It's a lengthy piece of legislation and each section is considered separately. So we look separately at that section 21 um, that is removing the protection that was afforded by section two. Yeah, it and, contradicts you know, itself. It has one section has this, this, and then the other section goes right against that. And, and uh... Well, yeah, so the section that provides the exception, right? And, you know, this might be due to, you know, partly related to, you know, the, the home is the castle principle, right? Mm-hmm. But like you were saying, Brian, you know, if your home is your castle, you don't have to let strangers in there. You know, um, it's your choice to rent. Right. You know, and if you are going to rent, it has to be done in a way that's constitutionally valid, that's Mm -hmm. legislatively valid. So we have that legislation, uh, Ontario Human Rights Code, and it gives us this protection. So that's great. So that would prevent a landlord from renting a room and and continuing to discriminate in the way that they rent out that room. Then then this exception, this clause 21 comes along and it it undoes that protection. Well, that part of the legislation seems to be unconstitutional. So that that'll be the argument that we'll bring to the court. So there's a remedy provided um the uh the Canadian Constitution Act um, 1981, uh, in, in that constitution, which is larger than just the Charter of Rights and Freedom, there's a section 52. And 52 allows people to challenge a law that is unconstitutional. So using this part of the constitution, I'll be going to the court and I'll be asking the court to strike down section 21. And if they strike down that section, that means that, you know, the rest of the Ontario Human Rights Code will operate. So that protection that was given in section two will, will, will continue to apply to situations where uh, a landlord is renting a room in their house in a shared accommodation situation. Yeah. So it's just essentially taking that one part out that that's contradicting and causing the, uh, the original. Strike it down. Yeah. So Yeah, yeah. And and the and the mechanism that we use to do that is is found within the Constitution. So the Constitution has a way of like protecting itself, of making sure that, you know, all that work that was done by, you know, um Pierre Elliott Trudeau isn't going to be undone later 
by um, politicians, you know, who can enact, you know, legislation. So it, it's a check and a balance. And really, the um, guardians of this, you know, of the Constitution in a very real, real way is, is the courts. So, so it'll be up to the judge um, who hears this case. Uh, it'll probably be heard by three judges, actually. And they will, uh, you know, have to look carefully at the, um, the balancing provisions and, and see if this law is, you know, constitutional. There are times when a law can, you know, infringe one of the rights provided by the charter um, if it can be seen to be uh, sustaining a valid, you know, state legislative objective. One case I can think of was the uh, Hutterite Brethren Community case, uh, where basically the religious group in Alberta, um, you know, doesn't believe in having their pictures taken. And they had previously had, like, you know, driver's licenses issued um, that didn't have their pictures on them. Hmm. But the province was changing the, you know, regime, and they wanted everyone to have driver's license with pictures on them and this was considered you know a valid objective and um you know the the community brought a challenge saying that this was you know unlawful uh, unfortunately they lost and they were basically told that you know you know driving is more a privilege than it is a right um they had ways around it and you know um the province was justified in requiring um, driver's license to have pictures on them. So not every law that infringes a charter right, um, in that case, it was a, the freedom of religion. Um, not every law is, is considered unconstitutional. So this is why the challenge that we bring has to be done very carefully. The case has to be strong and compelling, and it has to, you know, demonstrate that allowing landlords to discriminate in this way is not a valid state objective. That'll be the linchpin of the entire case. Because there's going to be a lot of homeowners, property owners on the one side of the fence, you know, that are going to be arguing for their right to rent in a way that doesn't infringe their own, you know, their own personal rights. And, and this is where I'll have to, you know, argue that, you know, allowing people to discriminate in that way just is not a valid state objective. That's not the Canada we live in. And so if the courts find favor with that part of the argument, then the rest of the pieces will fall into place. Right. Yeah. So you're listening to Outlook here today on Radio Western. We're speaking today with Ben Fulton, lawyer from Mississauga, who is currently fighting uh, in a housing discrimination case. Really unfortunate stuff due to his, his blindness. And I think it's also interesting how you, you mentioned it's this, this in, in, the, in the Ontario Human Rights Code, it's not just blind people that this could affect. It's, it's so many other minorities. And, and uh, so this could be something that, you know, a lot of people could get behind. Obviously, in your sp- situation, it's the blindness, but this could happen to, to lots of other minorities as well. So we're going to take a quick break now for some ads, and then, but then when we come back, we'll uh, talk to Ben a bit more, and we're going to also talk about what you can do to, to help out Ben with his case. So 
Stay tuned, we'll be right back with more of today's program. Outlook. On Radio Western. Welcome back. You're listening to Outlook today with myself, Carrie, and my co-host and brother, uh, Brian. Welcome back, everyone. And um, I was just going to say that if you're listening to this live um, in January here, um, students at Western who might be listening um, or anyone else, um, this is airing on the 17th. And I believe today is Martin Luther King Day. And uh, the quote from Martin Luther King Jr. is that injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. So injustice is what we talk about. And we were talking before the break with Ben Fulton, who is the lawyer uh, in Mississauga, near Toronto, here in Ontario. And actually on your website, which is benlaw.ca, it says, a blind crime-fighting advocate promoting justice, fairness, and equality. And so what we were talking about before the break was your discrimination case with a student looking for student housing. And... Uh, you know, as we say about the justice thing, it's like you're taking this to court and you're seeing this through because if it affects you, uh, a blind man who was just trying to rent a room as a student, it could affect anybody at any point. So anybody listening, this could affect you. So this is why uh, someone like Ben is doing this kind of work. So thanks again, Ben, for coming on Outlook. Thanks. Thanks, Gary. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah. So before the break, we were talking about your situation and... Uh, we're going to kind of get into the second half about what people can do to help. First of all, um, listening to Ben's story here is, is, is a help. Uh, sharing that around, sharing this episode around would be a help. Um, but you've been doing partnered up, partnering up with uh, the organization, the Canadian Federation of the Blind. And uh, how has that been going and what prompted that? And uh, what are you hoping to do um, through that? Yeah, well, I've been a member of the Canadian Federation of the Blind for several years now. Um, I like, you know, the advocacy work that they do. Uh, it's an organization I'm proud to be a member of, uh, you know, believing that blindness is not the characteristic that is holding anyone back. They, you know, advocate for promoting um, and empowering uh, blind individuals to, you know, do and accomplish great things. And so, you know, I'm doing what I can uh, to accomplish uh, great things. Um, and one of these things is, yeah, challenging the very legislation that we live under. And the important thing there is to make sure I have a really strong case to make a successful challenge um, to, the, to the legislation. And part of that is going to be telling not only my story, but also the stories of others like me who have been affected by this legislation. Or even if not maybe directly this legislation, they just have experienced discrimination in housing. And so we've got up on the uh, the CFB website um, now, it's a link you can follow to, you know, share your experience with us. Let us know what's going on. Um, if you've ever experienced discrimination in housing, what were the details around that? How long ago it happened? You know, as much information as you can provide is appreciated because then we can add this to our case and we can show the courts how many people are being affected. So the more stories we get, the better. 
that'll make the stronger case. And the stronger the case, the better our chances of success. So if you or anyone you know has experienced discrimination in housing, you've ever gone to rent a room and you felt like the reason you were denied that room was because of a personal characteristic uh, like a disability or your race, religion, receipt of social assistance, anything you can think of, um, and you know you have reason to believe that 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 was behind your refusal of accommodation, then by all means, let us know. Tell your friends to let us know. Uh, share this because even if we just get two or three people adding their voices, it will be better than you know just me alone. And I've heard so many stories from people like, but they've all been third-hand stories. People tell me that they know of people who have experienced this. Um, we don't have anybody yet who's come forward and said, yes, this is me. I've experienced this. And, and that's what's going to have the biggest impact with the court is those individualized personal stories. So please get the word out. Um, please, you know, go on the page, let us know so we can add your story to my story and everyone else's and bring that to the court because it'll be just that much more impact. So, yeah, just to clarify, you don't need to be blind for this part, right? It's on our CFB website, but it's um, any kind of discrimination for... No, you, you don't even need to have a disability. Um, mm -hmm. Like Brian and, and you were mentioning, um, this applies to anybody, you know. So if you were denied accommodation because of race, because of religion, um, you know, for any, any of those reasons that people shouldn't be discriminated on, like... Um, there's also this category, it's called the analogous grounds. And, and what that means is if there was something that was not specifically listed, but mm. seems to be in that same general spirit of really not holding people, you know, hold, not discriminating against anybody for a characteristic that appears to be, you know, largely beyond that individual's control or that it's not an appropriate thing to discriminate against somebody for. like we don't think it is appropriate to, you know, refuse somebody service because of their religion or their race or their disability, you know? So if there's something else that would fit into that kind of category, there, there are the analogous grounds that could be argued as well. Yeah. So just for our listeners to clarify, our, the website is cfb.ca. So if you go to cfb.ca and we'll post this again in the podcast notes as well, but if you go to cfb.ca, it's right on the homepage there. There's links to click. There's actually one link to click. Uh, ben wrote a, an awesome article, really detailed article for the Canadian Federation of the Blind's flagship magazine, The Blind Canadian. His article is called Finding a Place to Live, Challenges in Housing. Um, so you can find that as well on the, the CFB homepage, along with a link that, that takes you to the page where you can fill in all the fields about your experience, and it'll create a nice little letter there for Ben and, and could help out with with Ben's case. So definitely go to cfb.ca if you have had the situation or if you know of somebody who has and you have details um, to, to share there. Um, luckily, you know, I've never experienced this myself, though at the same time, I never, I became a student later in my 20s and I just got my own apartment. So I've never actually rented in a house, in a room where, of someone else's house, which I imagine that's where a lot of these situations seem to happen. Um, the other thing that I just wanted to mention was that 
I think it's one of those things that I, like Carrie brought up earlier, if someone has experienced discrimination in the past, for one, you know, most people aren't lawyers, so it can be quite intimidating and you don't really know what action to take. And I think oftentimes we just sort of say, oh, there's nothing we can do and we just move on, which is understandable to one, to a degree. But at the same time, if we don't ever, you know, stand up and start talking about this stuff, it'll, it won't change. So it makes me kind of wonder, like you say, you've heard a lot of third-hand stories, but it's hard to get people to kind of come through and on actually... On the record. Yeah, to actually come, come forward and actually tell their, their first-hand um, account. So I feel like that's also maybe Canadians being a little passive, also blindness and us sort of feeling like we're not fully equal all the time or we have sort of trouble speaking up as a, as a minority here. And I think there's so many factors that go into it, but... Um, the, uh, the link to the CFB uh, that was just uh, put up, um, I think, in December. Uh, so, you know, it hasn't been up for very long, um, but we are, you know, hoping to get generate some um, exposure, some, you know, get the word out, get some people uh, contributing to it. Um, like I said, even just two or three stories would be good. I mean, I understand this can be, you know, difficult for people to come forward. Um Especially sometimes, you know, you might not be 100% sure if what you experienced was discrimination. Um, like I said, there were, you know, the very first time this happened to me, I, I wasn't sure if that was what was going on or not. It just seemed to be, you know, the more this went on and I saw, you know, patterns of behavior, the more and more it became apparent to me that that that, that was, in fact, the case. So um, people also need to know, you know, um, that you know, just, you know, giving us your story, you know, you're not committed to anything. Um, we're not asking people to go to court. Um, you know, like we're trying to make this easy for people to come forward and share their stories. People are, you know, able to contribute or participate as much or as little as they choose if they just want to, you know, share their story, but they don't want to have any further involvement. That's absolutely fine with us. Uh, it's not a big commitment, so uh, we are hoping that we'll get a few people coming forward and sharing their stories with us because it, it really will help our case. Yeah, and uh, during this pandemic, it's brought a lot of the social ills to light in a br bigger way. Uh, of course, people in Canada, we most of us know that Canada is in a housing crisis, affordability, um, finding places to live for people, and so when you are uh, when you have a disability, you might be on social assistance, you might you know, not, but it's hard for anybody to find a good place to live these days. And so, um, you know, and, but the problem is, yeah, once you're, it just happens to you, you, you sort of sometimes second guess yourself. You may think maybe, am I, am I blowing something out of proportion? Is it really happening that way? And so that's, what's important about people doing these things together is that it's not just you, even with all your legal knowledge and uh, expertise, it's, um, you know, people coming together and helping each other out and backing each other up because it's easier to deny it when it's just one person. And uh, as far as disability, like you said, in your story, you, you showed up with a cane, but you've had guide dog discrimination. So whether we have a cane or we have a guide dog, it's hard, you know, we can't always win in these situations when uh, landlords see us and think we're li liabilities uh, right on site. You, you know, you graduated law school, but you're going to fall down his stairs and break your neck and sue him. It's... Uh... Well, that's another point too, This is the stairs thing, which we, we bring up on the show occasionally because it is a it is another one where i find it's quite common for for a lot of people to assume that stairs and blind people is like a really challenging Bad thing mix. and 
And of course, if, if you have other disabilities, like, you know, walking, if you have balance issues and stuff, maybe there could be something there. But blindness alone, it's itself, generally, especially if you have the training to use, to use a cane or you have a guide dog, like, you're not, you know, stairs are safe. You know what to do. So it's, it's another misconception out there that I think we're really just trying to talk more about so that it can start to kind of hopefully go away in the future, because that seems to be a big one. Even, even a couple of years ago, I was at a job, I was looking for a job and I was at a seminar and the one, the one person there was kind of like, oh, you guess you wouldn't want a job with where there was any stairs in the building. And I was just kind of thinking like, like I, I walk downstairs all the time. Like it's, I don't know. Such a it's widespread, like, such a widespread, uh, you know, misconception. And so from talking all the way to discrimination and then the charter here, all the way down to these misconceptions that we're trying to push back on an outlook. And uh, that's why the work that Ben's doing is great. And we want, so we're going to help try and get you some media buzz around this, hopefully, and get some people to come forward. Yeah, great. And I think it's also important for the listeners to know that um, it doesn't have to be anything that happened recently. You know, even if their experience happened 10, 20 years ago. Okay, so no uh, statute of limitation. Yeah, no. Uh, the thing is, I mean, the, the legislation is still in force. So as long as it's there, uh, it could be challenged at any time. And, you know, my own story is going to be the real driving force behind this case, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that was fairly recent. And I've, you know, been pursuing legal action um, in a yeah. timely fashion. Documenting things and yeah. 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 Now, other people's stories adding to this will help my story. But yeah, these the other people, their stories, they don't have to be recent. It could be like 10, 20 years ago. That, that's fine. And also, as you were mentioning about the affordability, uh, we will be having, you know, social science um, experts in to talk about, you know, the situation that, I mean, it is a social reality that uh, people with disabilities, you know, disproportionately are of low income, you know, I mean, there's the ODSP, Ontario Disability Support Program, and that's specifically for persons with disability. And that exists because of the reality that it is more difficult to find jobs with, with disabilities. Um, and so we'll, you know, we'll be bringing the um, court's attention to that fact because, you know, when we're looking at housing and, you know, affordability in housing, uh, you know, some of the most affordable housing is this shared accommodation exactly. type housing, yeah. you know. And so when we take a population that's, you know, largely overrepresented in terms of low income, and then we simultaneously remove a large um, uh, market sector of affordable housing, you know, the, the the disadvantage kind of like, like compounds. Yeah, it's becomes, barriers you know, on top just... of other barriers already that are already in the system. And and when I was looking for for a place when I started college, you know, ten years ago, I that was a different time too. The housing crisis wasn't the same. Like it could have totally come to the point where I needed to to rent a room in someone's house. And it just goes to show that you know this, this could definitely happen to to so many so many different people out there. Um, one other thing I was kind of curious about was. Have you have you looked into other ways of of getting the word out for this? I just I sometimes I wonder just a little bit. I know that the Canadian Federation of the Blind is a relatively small organization where we're trying to grow, but it's tough. So I'm just wondering if there's any other places you could sort of you're looking into sort of trying to spread the word because I also think, of course, anyone can go to cfb.ca, but it is 
called the Canadian Federation of the Blind and to reach out to those to those the the, the people out there that have different disabilities or or other you know other accommodations need to be made. I'm wondering if there's any other way to kind of to spread the word to to other groups. Uh, see, there is another radio show, uh, Cameron. Um, right. Yeah, I think that's um, near. To... I think that's near London. Here, I've heard about the show. Um, but yeah, any, any yeah, press you can get, I'm sure, is the name of the show offhand. Um... But no, no, um, no plans in the immediate. Um future for uh, other media appearances or other um, mainstream media as they call it or because you know it is it's hard to get word out on any of this stuff these things and that's why advocacy can get so tiring yeah sometimes. well I, I am going to be doing an interview with Cameron there um, I really wish I could remember the we can the add show. it into the podcast notes too if you when we come okay, up with okay, that okay, great great yeah. um, and, um, and hopefully we get, we get you on AMI too um, yeah they, accessible yeah, media um, accessible media incorporated yeah, yeah. So those two are in the works. And um, other than that, uh, you know, I, I recently started working with uh, marketing um, specialists. So I'm trying to get some more traction on Twitter and Instagram, um, other social media platforms, uh, things like that. Um, it is difficult to balance it all, uh, you know, getting the word out. Um, and then, you know, I've got a number of clients I'm representing and there has to be a lot of substantive work that goes into that. So it, it's all part of a delicate balance. I like to sometimes compare to spinning plates. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking yeah. like even to, to get it on some sort of a mainstream, like the, the CBC or something like somewhere where you could really, you know, reach an audience that you wouldn't. I just I always. It's it's unfortunate with the with the Canadian Federation of the Blind. We're really trying to to spread the word and, and grow, but I just you know obviously every every little bit helps. But I always just feel like we don't have a big enough reach yet, and you know we want to obviously help the best we can, and that's why we're doing it on Outlook and trying to spread as in, as many uh, areas as possible. Well, yeah, we want to reach other people, like you said, with other disabilities, and I often wish that we could all work together a little more in the disability community. It's sort of you know, go to your corners and, and there's so many dif dif disabilities now, not to mention other, you know, marginalized groups. But like I said, with that Martin Luther King Jr. quote, uh, you know, injustice can affect anybody anytime. And, and it's that thing about, you know, that um, sort of fable about where they come to someone's house and they take your neighbor away and you don't do anything. But then when they come to your house, you wonder why no one's there to defend you, right? You know, we all have to sort of realize that what happens to one of us affects all of us in, here in Canada. These issues are often very systemic, and so it's easy for you not to deny them if they don't affect you directly until they do. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, I I would like to do uh, you know reach out to CTV or CBC uh, when we file the uh, paperwork with right. the court. Mm -hmm. um, you There's know, time I, and place, I, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, for a major media outlet like that, you know, they want something really actionable. Makes sense. And, mm -hmm. you know, fi filing with the court would be, you know, um, a big enough sort of news event that it might grab some attention there. Um, right now, I'm working with the Center for Equity, uh, or no, sorry, Center for Equality and Rights uh, Accommodations. <laughs> oh, man. Acronyms. We talk about this on the show all the time. There's exactly. so many acronyms, and it's hard to get them all correct every time. Uh, yeah, but I think it's the Center for Equality and Rights Accommodation or something. It's They have to do with um, housing. Like, they're interested in 
equitable rights in, in accommodations. So like housing specifically is their big mandate. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm working with them to um, get some, um, like there's certain filing fees, stuff like that associated with bringing this challenge forward. So we're getting all of that in place. And then once that is in place, we'd be filing with the court. And that would be kind of the time to reach out to sort of these major media, things like CBC or CTV and and get like an interview there. And I don't I don't under, quite understand how how I'm not a lawyer, obviously. And I, I do actually really find law and this kind of stuff fascinating. I took law in high school a couple of years and was I'm interested in it for sure. Um, but I'm just kind of curious, like, so what's the if you were to get on the CBC after the court, if it actually had been um, filed and you were going to court, is that could you still get people's stories at that point um, after the, yeah, it's been yeah. released? Yeah. So the first, you know, um, you know, filing um, this challenge with the court, um, there's going to be time between that initial filing period, actually quite a bit of time between that initial filing period and when it actually gets argued before the court. Right. Good to know. Because, yeah, that's, that's the part, part of the point was, you know, to get on the CBC or CTV or one of these larger uh, media outlets and then have more stories come forward at, at that point as well. So. so how do you see 2022 playing out then with this sort of thing? Is there any kind of timeline you can sort of guess at or is it sort of up in the air? Well, like I said, I'm working really um, hard now to get along with the, the other uh, work you do. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So. I would hope to get this um, test case funding in place, hopefully by the end of February. Uh, and then, you know, I'm really hoping to have this uh, filed with the court before the, uh, definitely before the um, CFB uh, convention in May. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, after it's filed, it'll be a few months we'd be lucky to have a court appearance actually in the same year. So it would likely be the rest, you know, after filing with the court, the rest of 2022 would be marshalling the evidence, uh, arranging the um, expert witnesses and and time schedules. And then likely we could maybe be in front of the court in 2023. Okay. Yeah. And I also want to, you mentioned the convention uh, the CFB convention, and I just wanted to mention for our listeners last year, you you had a great presentation at the at the convention, which was very detailed. And this might actually be a great way to get a different audience as well. If we could share, if we could get that spread around, was is that on the CFB YouTube channel, there's a video of of Ben's presentation from the convention last year, and he talks about what he's been talking about today in in, in very great detail, talking about his just awful situations of showing up at a place and being denied or well, getting that it's, text. It's about it's about disclosure, whether you're looking for housing or you're looking for a job. We don't know when we're supposed to tell people we're blind. If we don't tell them right away, we're accused of hiding it. If we tell them the wrong moment, but with the wrong person, it's just, it's, again, it's like juggling something or, or trying to spin plates. For um, sure, yeah. So de- definitely check out the YouTube presentation as well, which we will also link in the podcast notes. But that's youtube.com slash CFBDOTCA is the CFB channel. And the video's up there on housing discrimination with Ben Fulton. So definitely check that out as well. And you were talking about other um, social media and stuff. Do you currently have, are you on social media? Are, are you on Instagram or anything? Um, 
Well, I, I'm fairly active on Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, okay. I have a Twitter account, but I'm not really using it. It, it hasn't been very accessible. Um, Hmm. I, I, same sort of situation with Instagram. So, um, hoping, uh, with this marketing specialist, I'll be able to do a lot more with that in the, uh, the rest of 2022. Well, it's just, I don't know if it seems odd for somebody to think, you know, a lawyer on that, on uh, Instagram, but it is a tricky platform. Brian and I have thought about getting it here for this show. And it's just, when you can't see, it's still so much about pictures and, 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 uh, things are getting more accessible, but, uh, I guess you mentioned something about TikTok because that's the latest one that I haven't even begun to, to to understand. Which I know it's it's taking it's very popular right now, and uh, I guess Twitter's more newsy and more like in the moment things. But uh, TikTok, I guess, if you come up with some clever marketing and some videos to show off um, who you are and what you do, that I guess reaches. There is apparently a big disability uh, activism community on TikTok. So from what I've heard. So I guess it was something you might want yeah. to look into, but it's it's good that sounds like you have some help with that because you can't possibly do yeah, it. Yeah, you need to hire. You need to get someone else to help with that. Almost at that point. Yeah. Well, in in Instagram and TikTok are both very uh, visually um, based platforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So if anyone does want to reach out, the best the best place, especially if they have this uh, situation or they've experienced the discrimination, um, they can go to cfb.ca and fill that out. Is there? Is there any other info you'd like to give out for people to contact you? Of course, benlaw.ca if they have any questions. I know your email address yeah, is up on the, on the website. Yeah, the email address is there. Um, it's also fairly simple. It's my first initial and then my last name. So bfulton at benlaw.ca. Right. So that's that's the email. Um, and you, really, those are the best ways to contact me. Uh, I think my phone number is also up on the webpage. So if you're oh, yeah. more comfortable with that, then... Um, by all means reach out give me a call uh or i can give the number it's six four seven five four six zero one four five um just in case anyone's listening and has a pen or and yeah those are the best ways to contact me call or or email or um yeah really those are the two best awesome because yeah somebody might just have a question or maybe there's someone someone who's blind who's listening who's like wow a blind lawyer this is this is cool and you know, I certainly didn't really know any a few years ago. Or did, I definitely didn't know any. So I just think that's it's really, uh, really neat to have that connection. And, and, you know, without the Canadian Federation of the Blind, we likely wouldn't know who you are. So, Well, unfortunately, it's down to us to prove as blind people that we're just as capable. So for you to say, well, you know, I'm a lawyer and um, <laughs> I got where I got because of my, you know, the hard, the hard work I put into it and, you know, stairs those things are barriers and those misconceptions get in the way often of us just trying to live our lives and uh so this is great and i'm glad that cfb can be of some help with you here and hopefully i want to thank radio western also for giving us this platform to maybe reach as i said some uh, university students in london who might be listening or professors or um you know whoever Definitely. There's actually uh, an entire association, a, a Canadian Association of Blind and Visually Impaired Lawyers, uh, Cabville. Oh, okay. um, so they're they're on Twitter, and um, yeah. Uh, Are you active with be... them? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, they they were active many years ago. Um, they become less active. Uh, I'm trying to get the the organization a little more active, and so. Uh, that that's also in the works for 2022. 
Great. Yeah, I remember you to add to your list. I remember you talking about that briefly at the convention as well, and that's that's cool that there was a, is an organization set up here. And unfortunate that it hasn't been active in years, but at least you're here to sort of revive it and and bring it back. Hopefully. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I think that pretty much covers it today. We're pretty much out of time. So unless there's any final words, I think that that does it. Go to cfb.ca to check out or all ben, the info on Ben. And or benlaw.ca. Or benlaw.ca, of course, yes. All right. Well, thank you, Brian and Carrie. It's been great. And yeah, have a wonderful day. Send us an email. Outlook on Radio Western at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Outlook CFB. And on Facebook, facebook.com slash Outlook on Radio Western.